Good morning, Paramount. It's great to be with you this morning. As Anthony shared, my name is Kyle Bierman. I work with the North American Mission Board's replant team. Uh, primarily, my focus is in the area of rural ministry and um, get to work with uh, the, the replant team. We work primarily with churches that are uh, on the verge of closing uh, for, for one reason or another and uh, trying to see them experience new life and uh, come back to a place of ministry effectiveness in their communities. Um, I pastored for nine years in New Mexico, uh, spent three and a half years in Clayton, which was the closest we got to, to Amarillo, uh, and then spent five years in Alamogordo before taking uh, this job with NAM full-time last year and moving back to Lubbock. Uh, and it's great to be, you know, I, I, I joke, we were in New Mexico for nine years, and eight of those were fantastic. And then 2020 hit. And uh, if you're familiar with, with 2020 and COVID in New Mexico, um, it was a different world than, than Texas is, is all I'll say about that. And uh, so we are glad to be back in God's country. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be with you this morning. So let me say on behalf of uh, Kevin Ezell, president of the North American Mission Board, thank you for your gifts to the cooperative program uh, and to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, um, which helps plant churches across North America, the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico, and then uh, supports guys like me who get to go into to churches on the verge of dying and, and see them hopefully experience new life as well. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. So if you'll turn there, um, we're going to focus on Thanksgiving this morning. So, se several years ago, um, actor Rain Wilson, who is most known for playing the iconic character of Dwight Schrute on The Office, um, started a website called Soul Pancake. Um, the whole idea behind Soul Pancake was to create an online forum for folks to discuss life and spirituality in, in a different, in a deeper way than what you could just do like on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, the, the purpose stated Soul Pancake was created to encourage open-hearted dialogue about what it means to be human. And I was serving as a youth pastor at the time, and so this, this forum just really intrigued me. So I signed up and interacted a little bit on there. And around this time of year, I made a post on there just simply asking about how folks who don't claim any religious identity, whether they're atheists or, or what we call the nuns, they, they would just say, you know, nothing, I have no spiritual beliefs, um, or, or even those from different faith backgrounds, how, how did they observe Thanksgiving? How do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, and I just explained as, as a Christian, I always took this time of year to pause and thank God for the blessings that he's given to us. And so if you don't, you know, if you don't believe in a God, how do you celebrate Thanksgiving? And, and to whom do you give thanks? And the, the responses were fascinating. One person said something like, well, I give thanks to the universe, whatever that means. Um, don't, don't know how you do that. Um, one, one person actually um, made the comment, what does Thanksgiving have to do with a God? And I, I, thought, I thought it was obvious. You give thanks. I mean, you give, right? You, you have, thanksgiving implies giving thanks to something or someone, right? Um, so, so all across our culture, people have these different ideas of thanksgiving. And, and thanksgiving particularly 
in the United States is a really interesting time. Um, I hope you have some time off this week. I hope you gather with family and friends. Um, but, but that's always an, an interesting time in and of itself, depending on your family dynamics, right? Because sometimes in, in some families, there's, you're one kind of snide comment away from World War III breaking out. Um, you know, maybe some old family wounds, family animosity comes out when you start playing cards again or a board game or something. Um, you know, those, those old things can creep up. For a lot of us, come 6 o'clock on Thursday night, we're either going to be really happy or really mad based on how the Cowboys do on Thursday. And then fascinatingly enough, on the day after we've gathered together and given thanks for the blessings that we have, folks will get into fistfights over a new big screen TV at Walmart. So I'm curious, as we enter this week of Thanksgiving, how often do you take stock of what you're thankful for? Do you regularly pause, look around, thank God for his blessings, or do we sometimes get so caught up in the busyness and the stresses of life that we forget to stop? We forget to pause. We forget to be thankful for the blessings that we have? Do we forget to say, as the psalmist did in Psalm 103 2, my soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits? So this morning we're going to look at a passage that, that you're probably familiar with. And I don't think there's going to be anything in this passage that is brand new that will blow your mind and say, wow, I've never considered that before. But sometimes it's good for us to just be reminded. To be reminded to look around and be thankful for the things that God has given us. There, there are some simple commands we're going to see this morning, at least in theory, simple to read on the page and say, yes, I know I should be doing that. A little more difficult when it comes to actually living it out on a weekly basis. So the challenge for us today is to live lives of thanksgiving. So if you have your Bible open, turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, and let's stand together as we read the word of the Lord together. 1 Thessalonians 5, we'll begin in verse 12. Paul's writing, he says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, 
and he will do it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning and thank you for the chance to gather together as the people of God here at Paramount to open up your word. And I pray you will show us through this passage what it looks like to live a life of thanksgiving. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, this passage comes obviously at the end of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And so, um, kind of as, as he's wrapping up this letter, um, he, he gets to the end and, and he just kind of gives this list of some kind of final thoughts. It's, it's, here's, here's some things I don't want to leave out uh, before I sign off here. So it seems maybe kind of random, these commands that he gives, but, but I was amazed this week looking through the lens of thanksgiving we see actually several things here that, that as followers of Christ, as believers, we are to be thankful for. In verse 12, uh, he begins talking about the spiritual leaders that, that God has placed over us. And so as followers of Christ, as members of the body of Christ, and, and people who are part of a local church, we are to be thankful for the spiritual leaders. Look at what he says about them in verse 12. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. So God has placed spiritual leaders over us for our good. In fact, Paul says they've been placed over us to lead you in the Lord and admonish you. Pastors and church leaders, of course, are given the task to shepherd the people of God. Now, a couple weeks ago, we finished October, which is typically, uh, at least here in evangelical North America, it, we celebrate or we observe it as Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, but here's the thing. That's not just something that we do in October. We are to, we're, we're to honor those that God has placed over us as spiritual leaders year-round. And, and I know that Paramount's currently without a pastor, but you still have church staff, you still have spiritual leaders who are, who are serving, who are laboring to minister in the community and to meet needs. And they're a, they are a blessing to us. Hebrews 13, 17 puts it this way, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, I've served several churches over the course of about 20 years or so, and I've experienced both sides of that. I've experienced what it's like to, to walk into a church on Sunday morning and, and have, just have joy, be excited about being there. And I've served a church or two where you walk in and there's grief in my heart as I'm walking in the doors. Um, and so let, let, me, let me just encourage you as much as possible for, for those who are laboring uh, in the work of ministry to equip the saints. Make it a joy for them to show up. Make it a joy for them to be here in the office during the week. Make it a joy for them to show up on Sunday morning and say, oh man, I, I have the privilege to serve the people of Paramount. Right? Say, say thank you, Lord, not, oh, Lord. I gotta, I gotta walk in the doors this morning, right? And uh, I, I, this is a unique situation because I've had the opportunity to know several of your staff members through the years. Uh, 
I've known Anthony uh, for 10 or 12 years as we were youth, in youth ministry together in, in the Lubbock area. Um, I got to know Will through a Facebook group of all things and then met him in person and, uh, uh, and he's, he's, a, he's a decent fella. Um, <laughs> Garrett and I uh, overlapped for a year or so at Wayland and uh, so, so let me just say from, from the staff that I know getting to meet Victor and Lance this morning, you, you have a wonderful staff. Um, let them know that. And just because October's over, you don't have to wait until next October to show them thanks and appreciation. All right, you can do that any time. Be thankful for the leaders whom God has placed over you. Especially uh, as, as you're without a pastor. That means that there's extra work to be done. There, there's slack to be picked up. Um, make sure that you let them know how much you care for them and how grateful you are for them. Secondly, look at verse 13 through 15. We need to be thankful for encouragers in our lives. Starting in verse 13, uh, excuse me, verse 14. We exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. See, there's a really deep reality in the Christian life, and that is that all of us, every single one of us, can be prone to drift from time to time. Writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, tells us to, that we should pay attention to our lives so that we won't drift away from what we've heard. None of us is immune to that. You never reach a point in your Christian life where you are uh, past the point of being able to drift away if you're not diligent and keeping watch on your walk with the Lord. And so here, Paul is encouraging men and women in the church to pursue those who are, he uses the word idle, just, just kind of drifting along in their faith. Maybe they've, maybe they've fallen away from church. Maybe they're, you know that they're not following Jesus as closely as they should be. They need to be, they need to be, confronted in a loving way. We need to comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now again, keep in mind, Paul's talking to the people of the church here. He's not just talking to spiritual leaders. He's not saying, listen, this is all on your church and on your church staff and your pastor to, to take care of everybody. No, this is on all of us to be these kind of people. And because here's the other reality of that. At some point or another, all of us will find ourselves discouraged or weak or drifting. We need people in our lives who can call us on the carpet when, we, when that needs to happen, encourage us, comfort us. We're in desperate need of encouragers. If you're on social media at all or you, you're awake at all to just the world around us, we have enough people who are angry all the time. We don't need any more of those, okay? So, so if, you, you know, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you're thinking, should I post my angry rant on social media? The answer is no, you shouldn't. No, never. Someone else will do that for you, I promise. We're in desperate need of encouragers. We are in desperate need of peacemakers. 
In fact, in, in the last words of verse 15, look at what Paul says. He says, uh, see to it that no one repays evil for evil. Well, they said something mean about me, so I didn't, right? No, that's exactly what he said. Don't do that. But always pursue what is good for one another, he begins with, and for all. So he says, first of all, the, the one another is that would be believers, those of us together in the church, pursue what is good. But he goes beyond that and he says, what, and for all. So listen, that means your neighbor, whom you'd really like to share Christ with, but who wants nothing to do with it, you pursue what's good for him. Your other neighbor that absolutely hates your guts or your coworker that you don't get along with means we pursue what is good. We need encouragers. We, we are called to do this no matter how we may be treated. We're to pursue good for those around us. And if they refuse to respond in kind, it doesn't give us an excuse not to be kind. So be thankful for those who are encouragers. I hope everybody in here has someone that comes to mind when you think of who's an encourager in my life. You You have someone that comes to mind. Be thankful for them. Here's a wild idea. Let them know that you're thankful for them. And then imitate them and be that to someone else. Verses 16 through 18, these are probably the the verses you're most familiar with in this passage. Paul tells us that we're to be thankful in all things. He says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, thanksgiving and thankfulness are marks of a believer. In fact, the opposite of that, thanklessness, is presented in Scripture as one of the marks of unbelievers. In Romans 1, where Paul's kind of describing just the the sinful state of the world in in first century Rome, which could also very easily describe the sinful state of the world in 21st century America, he says this, For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, listen to this, or show gratitude. They were thankless people, more concerned with what they thought they deserved than giving thanks for the things that they had been given. And Paul tells us that we're to give thanks in everything. Now, now I think there's a significant difference between giving thanks in everything and giving thanks for everything. Because not everything that we encounter, not everything that we experience is good but it can all be used for good. God can use any life experience from the very best to the very worst to sanctify us, to shape us into the image of Christ Jesus. And Paul understood this. So listen, lest you think that he writes, um, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus while he's sitting in a posh hotel room with room service coming every day, just let let me remind you a little bit about Paul's experience. In 2 Corinthians 11, he's telling this, the church at Corinth, um, all the things that he's experienced, that that he was shipwrecked, 
He was, he'd been stoned to the point of death. He'd been beaten and left for dead. And then he turns around and says, and oh, by the way, then I have to put up with you. Philippians, which is a book all about joy, is written as Paul's literally in prison, most likely chained to a guard, and in a prison that's probably more uh, accurately described as a dungeon. And sitting in that place, sitting in that circumstance, is when he writes these words. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Now, again, that's easy to say when, when life is good, right? I, I've learned to be content in any circumstance. It's different when you're experiencing hardship. He says, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And here's the verse that you know out of that. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that changes the context of that a little bit. That changes the understanding of that. We, you know, we'll, we'll slap that uh, Philippians 4.13 on eye black for a football game. And Paul's writing this from the depths of a prison and saying whether... I'm experiencing the best day or whether I'm experiencing the worst day, I've learned that Christ is enough. I've learned that Christ is sufficient. And that's why he can turn around in Thessalonians and say, give thanks in everything because this is something he had learned to model. And, and I just think, knowing what I know about the Christian life, I think that attitude comes more out of suffering than it does comfort. And then Paul makes this really strong statement at the end of this passage. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? So to every teenager, college student, adult who's ever asked, what is God's will for my life? That's it right there. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Well, hold on, that doesn't tell me what job I'm supposed to have. Nope, but it tells you how you're supposed to go about your job. Doesn't tell me where I'm supposed to live. No, but it tells you how you're supposed to live. And I think, based on my understanding of Scripture, God is far more concerned with the kind of person you are in your career than the specific career that you have. And here's the kicker. You can't do these things apart from Jesus. This isn't, this isn't something that you just say, okay, I've just got to work harder. I've just got to bear down and, and, and just, just get through this time, and then eventually I'll become grateful. No, these are things that the Holy Spirit cultivates in us. Much like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, we don't get these things simply by trying harder. We get them when we surrender ourselves to King Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work on us. They're cultivated. It takes time to learn the act of being thankful in every situation, but it's grace-driven effort, which means that we work. Yes, there's, there is work for us to do, but we work as we're empowered by the Spirit to do so. The Spirit, the thing about life is we're going to be presented with all kinds of opportunities to give thanks in. 
And the Spirit is with us to empower us to give thanks in everything. Beginning in verse 19, we see that we need to be thankful for the word of God. Don't stifle the Spirit, he says. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, now I think these verses flow out of verses 16 through 18. So, so we don't stifle the Spirit who empowers us to give recognition to our leaders, to gives us power to encourage one another, to, encourage, to rejoice always, to pray constantly, to give thanks in everything. If you want to live a life of thanksgiving, that requires us being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, don't despise prophecy. Now, now keep in mind that as Paul's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, the New Testament is literally being written. So, so he can't just say, well, turn in your Bibles to the, the letter of 2 Thessalonians. No, because it, it, he's writing it to them. The New Testament's being composed. And so th there's a sense in which when, when he says don't despise prophecy, the, the specific type of prophecy that he's talking about been, has, has ceased because now we have the complete revelation of God in, in Scripture. We don't have prophets today who foretell what's coming. We have preachers who foretell, who, who declare the word of the Lord to us. One of the things we see in the first church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we're, we're told they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is what becomes our New Testament. And so the question for us is, are we devoted to Scripture the way first century believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching? You know, there's a, there's a great irony in our culture today in that we have easier access to the scriptures than at any point in human history. I'm willing to bet most of us have at least one Bible app, maybe multiples on our phone. You can set up and get Bible verses alerted to you. You can set up and get them texted to you, emailed to you. We, we have the wealth of God's word literally in our pockets. It's a very humbling thing when you consider that throughout history, men and women have given their lives to have access to scripture. But there's also a great irony in that we are among the most biblically illiterate people in history. We have such easy access to it. Being thankful for the word of God doesn't just say, oh, it's not just us saying, oh, I'm thankful that, that I have access to it. Being thankful for the word of God requires us spending time in it, knowing it, applying it to our lives. We have a wonderful gift. And he says, verse 21, he says, but test all things, hold on to what is good. So here's another thing we're called to as believers, and that is that we're called to be discerning in our lives. It means you don't take hook, line, and sinker everything you read on the internet, okay? Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. I saw Abraham Lincoln once said that, right? Wait for that to sink in a second. But, but it applies here as well. You don't just take what you hear from any pulpit and 
and say, man, the, the, the guy on stage said it, it must be true. No, we're, we're called to test it by the word of God. We're called to be discerning in, in our lives so that we're not, we're not led astray, so that we're grounded in the word of God. And here's the last thing, verses 23 through 24, and I think this is the, the ultimate thing that we have to be thankful for as believers, and that is that we're called to be thankful for grace. Paul begins this little section of benediction. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. This is Paul's prayer, kind of his closing prayer for the Thessalonians, that God would sanctify them. That means cleanse them, um, shape them in the image of Jesus Christ, and then by extension, he, that's, that's the prayer for us as well. Of course, that only happens. Being, being conformed to the image of Jesus only happens if they've first been saved by Jesus Christ. You can't be sanctified. You can't be conformed to the image of Christ unless you've first been justified, saved by his blood. So certainly I never want to make any assumptions. So the question this morning is, have you turned from sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? See, the Bible tells us that every single one of us have sinned. That is that we've done things that break the heart of God. Because that, we're separated from God. Because he's completely holy and perfect. Because we're sinners, we deserve to die and be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. But because of his great love for us, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of death that we deserve so that we might be brought back into a right relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. So if you've never trusted in Jesus, hear me, there's no better way to celebrate. Thanksgiving, there's no better way to begin the Christmas and Advent season than by coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just a few moments as Garrett comes up, the church staff will be out in Guest Central. You can go out there and, and if you want to know more about what it means to trust Jesus, find them. Go to Guest Central and, and tell them that you want to know what it means to follow Jesus. And for those of us in the room who have trusted in Jesus as Lord, when's the last time you reflected on the depth of your sin and spent time thanking God for his gift of grace? When's the last time you took stock of where you once were and where you are now? Now, now look, certainly none of us is where we want to be in our relationship with the Lord. I've never met anybody who's like, yes, I'm crushing it. I'm absolutely uh, where I want to be and who I want to be in Christ Jesus. If that's you, find me. We need to talk. No, we're not where we want to be. We're not where we're going to be. 
This is what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means that that, that day it's finally completed. Either when you take this, your last breath here on earth and take the next one in the presence of Almighty God or when Jesus splits the sky open and comes back. That's when it's completed. Until then, he's still working on you. But we have the promise that he who started it will complete it. So I'm not where I want to be. I know I'm not where I will be, but praise God I'm not where I was. And so what's the takeaway today? Well, on the one hand, it's really simple. The takeaway is simply this, live a life of thanksgiving. On the other hand, it's a little more difficult. Live a life of thanksgiving. In all things. On the best days, on the worst days. Give thanks in all things. One of the marks, one of the primary marks of followers of Christ is that we are thankful people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people. I pray we would be thankful people. We would live lives that are marked by thanksgiving. I pray like Paul, we would be able to say that we've learned to be content in whatever situation. On the the best of days, the worst of days. From the tops of the highest mountains in our spiritual lives to the depths of the lowest valleys. That we'd be people who give thanks in everything. We know it's only possible because the gift of salvation that you've given us through Christ Jesus. So if there's anyone in the room who hasn't trusted in Jesus, I pray today's the day that you will grab their heart call them to turn from sin and trust in Jesus Christ. For, for those in the room who have, I pray that's a, that's a daily pattern of turning from sin and trusting in you and walking as thankful people. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for the way of salvation that's been made for us. We ask all these things in his mighty name. Amen.